Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 34. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, uh, the Niv Magus Elemental, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. I had such a good time just playing Magic all day yesterday. It's rare that I get a day off, but my wife's twin sister was having her second sort of baby shower, so I had the house to myself, and I hunkered down and played Magic all day long. That's awesome. And you're on vacation this week, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. I have a bunch of work to do just like to get ready for stuff, but I do not have to teach it all this week. It's great. That's awesome. You think you'll be able to fire up Moto? or? Yeah, actually, I didn't get to today. I made the trip to Treehouse and it was my brother's birthday, but I don't have too much to do. I, I'm definitely going to be able to get ready for Syracuse. That's awesome, man. It's, it's a good timing, I guess. Yes, it worked out. worked out very well. So you set a new high score for the dead format so far in the challenge on Saturday, right? Well, for the dead format, like <laughs> I, I have, I, I've only played in one other challenge other than the one this weekend and I did better and, uh, man, it started off, it started off so well and then I'll, I'll talk about it, but the, the wheels sort of fell off at the end. Yeah. We've definitely been there. So our buddy, before we get started, our buddy Zach Turgeon just wanted to shout him out for qualifying again for London this time. I think Cleveland is maybe this weekend. Is that true? I have no idea when it is. It's either this it, it weekend sounds, or next It sounds weekend. like it should be soon. Yeah. Uh, and I know he qualified for that. We shouted him out earlier for that. And he actually qualified again via the RPTQ for the, the Pro Tour Championship thing in London. And he I, he posted his like match log, and he lost his first match in rounds three through the final. So he won all his post-board games, obviously, if he was losing his first match. And that's like the best way to win, honestly. I don't know if we talked about this before, but winning matches when you lose the first game and then win both post-sideboard games feels so good. So good for him. Great standard player, great player, and uh, good luck in London. Yeah, and my friend John Coley, who used to be local but I think moved to Colorado uh, top forward, his RPTQ as well. And I know a bunch of people that are qualified for London, and I'm super happy to uh, to cheer for them. Actually, <clears throat> since they started to do Grand Prix or Magic Fests at the Mythic Championship, I know a lot of people that are actually just traveling over for the trip to play in the Grand Prix and to hang out with everybody who's qualified. So I think that was that was a good change that happened with all of this stuff. Is that a new change or has that already been in effect for, for a couple? I do not. I think this is going to be the first one that's in effect for. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I remember when they announced that. It was a while back, but I hadn't actually like heard of one yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is the one. And I think a lot of store owners in London are angry because... They're going to be running a big pre-release before the actual pre-release, so they sort of they sort of cut out all of the local stores. Oh, I I heard something about that. Is that what happened? Yeah, I not I don't know all of the details because I didn't look into it too closely, but that's the story that I heard. Before we actually get started with everything, I want to thank two new patrons that we got this week. So, Ben Pacino and Eric Shu. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you for signing up for our Patreon. We'll make sure we get you the Discord link soon. Did they say they signed up for the uh, the no-holes-barred fighting? Is that what we're here for? Apparently. I don't know. Somebody in Discord said that they, they signed up just to hear us fight. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Let's, yeah, we can do more of that. That was great. <laughs> we, got, we got way too much positive feedback for <laughs> screaming at each other they were like yes i want to hear more of that like go at each other personally yeah <laughs> are you sick? anyway it's just sidebar are you sick or no oh yeah i uh sorry my voice is shot i i didn't take a sick day last week from work uh but I, on thursday and friday i was just wiped but i knew i had vacation coming up and uh I'm starting to feel better, but my voice is just absolutely shot. So if I sound awful, it's because I'm actually sick. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought you were choking on something, and then you just continued to sound that way. So then I realized you might actually just be sick or whatever. Yeah, it's it, it was bad. My wife, I, uh, every time I get like a man cold, she just gives it to me so hard for like being sick. And... I just want to I just want to poop on my wife for not respecting the man cold because it's re- it's a real thing and she has she has no sympathy at all. I never heard of the man cold until last year. I was at work and something just like popped up in someone's browser that said like oh, scientific proof that men's colds are actually 10% worse or whatever. And I was like, oh, look at this is interesting. And everybody at work was just like, I didn't realize that this was such like a hot button issue. This was a thing. Everybody had their opinion. Oh, that's bullshit or suck it up. You know, I didn't realize the man cold was even a thing. It, it is. Yeah. Just don't, don't tell her that. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. So what is with this elimination diet? This is the next thing we have on the on the docket today, and I want to know about this. Oh, yeah. I threw that on there to explain why I had hiccups. Uh, but actually, thankfully, my hiccups seem to have subsided. But I just this morning started back on my uh, just, just straight carnivore diet, like elimination carnivore diet, where I'm just eating meat. So today, all I've had to eat are uh, two cups of coffee, a half stick of butter, uh, three eggs, five pieces of bacon, and a steak. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta lose weight, bro. Is it a heart? Is it a heart health diet? Yeah, yeah. All right. It whatever, you, but it works. Yeah, for, for no, that's weight. that's great. We um, we when we went to Toronto, we were traveling with Jake, and Jake was on the keto diet. Mm-hmm. And similar, similar, very similar. He was having some vegetables. It wasn't just meat, but he had this like. He had a meat stick that he was carrying around in his bag to like snack on. And it literally just seemed like a grocery store kielbasa with better wrapping that he had, he had going all weekend. So I was just wondering like, how am I going to get my meat stick to Syracuse? Yeah. Bring, bring your meat stick to Syracuse. On the flight though? Well, I mean like you probably shouldn't have it out for the people sitting around you, but the meat stick got named Stubby D because Mike Mike had such a great time playing for Stubborn Denial over the weekend that the meat stick became the Stubby D. And the Stubby D was great. Nice. 
Yeah, with with this like a uh, TSA, you gotta fly through TSA. Like, they don't let you bring water, do they? Let you bring meat sticks? I don't know. Well, I think that meat. There's no chance that the meat stick would be explosive. I think you're probably fine with a sealed meat stick. Yeah. <clears throat> we can uh, test. We'll our find weapon, out. I guess, yeah. We'll find out. So, you want to get into uh, get into your challenge, your week in Legacy? Yeah, I um, I had been planning on playing in the challenge because I knew I was going to kind of have Sunday off from any responsibilities. And I was considering whether or not I was going to play Grixis Control in, or the four-color control deck that Jake was talking about in uh, the challenge, or if I wanted to play something that I was a little bit more familiar with. And Mike Rapp actually sent me a little bit of information on the blue-white Flusterstorm Niv Magus deck that had popped up online a few weeks ago that we talked about. And apparently Bob and Anarog streamed it and said some pretty good things about it. And I felt like that was more my style. And if I was going to play in an event without any practice, I'd rather play something I was more familiar with. And the deck seemed great to me. The Niv Magus Elemental wasn't ever outstanding. It it got to be like an 8-9, so I guess that is kind of outstanding. But I felt like having an extra 1-drop really made the deck a little bit more consistently able to curve out. Obviously, Stoneforge and True Name are very good in certain matchups. And in the matchups that those cards might not be the best, Flusterstorm is pretty good. So the deck has the ability to have very, very strong draws against a different contingent of the metagame, where Stoneforge and True Name are great against Aether Vile and Chalice decks, and Flusterstorm is great against all the blue and combo. So I like where the deck is positioned, and right now it's my front runner leading into Syracuse. So I didn't even think about Niv Magus with regard to like Chalice decks. So if you were to lead off on a Niv Magus and then your opponent sticks a Chalice that you don't have an answer for, you know, game one or whatever, that Niv Magus, it, it kind of, it, you know, it doesn't obviously negate the effect of the Chalice, but it kind of gives you an out, right? Yeah, it, uh, it turns all your one drops into pump spells. Yeah. And also there was, there was a game where uh, I think I was playing against White Eldrazi. And in game one, I knew my Flusterstorms were basically going to be dead because they were a Chalice yep. Thalia deck. I didn't put them on Swords to Plowshares or anything like that. Yeah, totally They had dead. Containment Priest and um, and Displacer as their removal. So I actually got to like take a line where I had my Niv Magus in play. There was a Chalice in play. And I I think I ponder fluster stormed my ponder and then ate everything to the Niv Magus and the Niv Magus got got real big real quick. Yeah, exactly. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So it turns it turns your fluster storms into never dead cards too, because it's always just like a storm pump spell. So And in those matchups, you know, the Eldrazi and Blood Moon typically are the, the chalice decks you see most they don't have like a, a source of plowshares type of removal, right? They're, they're usually either damage based, like a fiery confluence or uh dismember, I guess would be the worst case. So you can kind of play around that stuff. 
Yeah, and you can just make like a big six seven that they have to deal with. Yeah, that's really good. I I hadn't thought about that aspect of it. Now it kind of makes more sense to me. Yeah, I didn't really think about the deck too much before I registered it. I took the exact list card for card from the person that had been doing well with it online. And after playing, I definitely make some changes, which we'll talk about at the end. But the the list was very good. And even though I didn't top eight, I felt happy with the performance of the deck. So did you want to run through your games? Yeah. So I started off against Goblins. Stoneforge and True Name is just really good. I, I lost a game just due to mana tightness. But the deck is really well set up to fight against Vile decks. There's Engineered Explosives and Disenchant and ways that you can push through goad-wide strategies, which just let me let me crush that, that first match. Uh, I played against Death and Taxes. The same thing happened. I think I lost uh, game two where it was just... I got double ported and they had a Vile going and I couldn't do anything about it. So uh, beat Goblins, beat Death and Taxes... And in round three, I played against the White Eldrazi deck that I was talking about before, who actually finished 12th in, in the whole thing. So I think if you look at Dancing Jesus, that's the deck that I played against. So it wasn't um, the Reality Smasher, Thought Not Seer deck. It was basically that mono white Eldrazi Displacer Containment Priest deck. But I wrote it down as White Eldrazi because it's basically the same thing. Yeah, it's a deck that can take many, many forms. We've seen it, like, all, a lot of people experimenting with it. Yep. It's, it's tough, tough for that deck to beat a true name. So, true name, true name's got there. Um, that one was 2-0. And in round four, I played against one of our, one of the people who, like, has supported the cast the most. I would like to respond slash Marcus, the Stasis High Tide player that we talked about a few times. Yo, since we're on Marcus, real quick, did you see that list he posted today? Uh, so I know that I know that I saw something on his Twitter that was interesting, but I was like out, sort of doing stuff all day. What What got posted? Do you remember when Wilderness Reclamation came up, and we both thought of him? You You were talking about High Tide, and I was talking about uh, Stasis. Okay. Yes. He posted a Wilderness Reclamation list that was neither of the of those it was like this this nick fit kind of deck oh wait a minute and it had no win conditions main deck but it had cunning wish for like blue sun zenith and nexus of fate exactly yep i did see that and i i wish that we didn't cut the wilderness reclamation the wilderness reclamation piece that we had talked about in that cast because we like yeah because we fought oh was it officially cut i didn't realize I don't, yeah, I think I cut it because okay. we, we fought yeah. and then I didn't want to edit it anymore. So I just cut everything from the fight on. <laughs> so now, given how popular our fights were, we might need to fight more. Yeah, man. I, I really think that we fought about other cards and like Wilderness Reclamation was a, kind of an oasis maybe because I, I was definitely thinking that you couldn't untap Tropical Islands in High Tide for no good reason. I don't know why I thought that, but anyway, let's get back to your challenge. Okay, uh, so I play Marcus, who's playing Miracles, and man, Flusterstorm is really, really good. <laughs> Just having having four Flusterstorm when you're playing against a blue deck, especially a blue deck that relies on cantrips and not everything is important, 
like all of the cantrips you can basically just ignore and if your opponent is playing a turn where they're like they have air in their hand and they have to cantrip cantrip your fluster storms get great and in a matchup where you really only have to worry about terminus it um it did some work so uh i he was the first opponent who actually typed to me in chat and i thought that i had my chat off for the whole time because none of my opponents had said anything to me and he was the first person to say hi so i was like oh i guess it wasn't off <laughs> and uh and we had a good match he actually ended up top 32ing as well so so far two of my early opponents ended up doing well and then we'll talk about what happened after so i'm sitting at 40 and I'm thinking, awesome, I'm 4-0. Like, I basically have a win in in because yeah. my tiebreakers are just going to be amazing. Right. And so far, I haven't really played against decks that the, 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 the deck was sort of lined up to beat. I played against three Chalice decks with my four main deck, Flusterstorm. Oh, sorry. I played against three Chalice slash Vile decks with my main deck, Flusterstorm. And one Miracles deck where the flusters were great. Uh, and I'm looking forward to playing against something that I'm like more matched up for. Like maybe a Grixis Delver or a Grixis Control or another Miracles or a blue deck. And I play against Hexsteps. Yeah. Which uh, I played against uh, Guldicott my game one. I thought that I was set up pretty well. I didn't know what I was playing against, but I kept a one lander. That had a Delver and some cantrips. Uh, so I let on Delver. I got wasted. And then I didn't have another colored source the whole game. At all. I just didn't draw one. Yeah. In my game two, I mulled the five from no land, no land. And just couldn't recover from it. So I was feeling kind of kind of down. That I, I feel like that's a match that isn't the worst. I have four Wastelands, four Swords to Plowshares, enough interaction to take care of the early discard, and a pretty good clock that I can put on, but my my draws just weren't there at all, so that was unfortunate. You got Caracas on the board too, huh? Yeah, the the I, I feel like the deck definitely wants another land, and I'll get into that when I talk about the changes that I would have made. I don't know if that land is Caracas. I think the Caracas stays in the sideboard. But the deck definitely wants another land because the games that I had lost up through and including that round were all due to mana issues. So I, I really think the deck wants 20. All right, round six. My moto sort of froze up. So when the round started, it didn't it didn't give me a notification. Oh yeah. So I I almost thought that I was gonna get kicked out because I, I tabbed back into the screen to see the match had started. And there's like three minutes off the clock. And then my moto locked up. So I had to exit and then reopen it and get back into it. And it just, it took me forever. So I was like already kind of a little tilted. And uh, I was playing against Manalist Dredge. So I play my turn one Delver and I just get wrecked. Game one. Yeah. Game two, I play a Cage and then he scoops. So we've, we've played two full games. I lagged. I had to restart and he has, or they have like 24 minutes on their clock and I have like 20 on mine. And in game three, my seven had no land and no hate. My six had no land and no hate. My five had no land and no hate. And I mulled the four and I kept 
a land with a cantrip and no hate. And I just didn't draw anything. So so I saw the Reddit write up for my opponent. A bullet decimated his hand by mulliganing. Like <laughs> is that what it said? <laughs> I, yeah, like or destroyed his hand by mulliganing. It's not like I was pitching playable hands. Like you know what's the anyway. worst when you open up a seven against them with like cage and no land in it, and you have to do that math. Like what do my what's the likelihood of my sixes and fives? You know, versus hitting a land. Yep. Yeah, that would have been that would have been an inter- interesting case. I feel like that matchup is very in my favor, given the type of sideboard hate I have, and the ability to dig through my deck. So, uh, even though I still have only played one deck that Flusterstorm is good against, uh, the deck had been performing very well. So, my round seven, I'm really hoping that I get paired against a blue deck. And I play against Enchantress, the Enchantress player that finished in the top eight. And, man, I got Doom Doomwake gianted. My opponent played Into the Eye of Chaos to clear <laughs> the way for Doomwake Giant to kill my true name nemesis. I, I mean, losing, losing those last three was rough. But I lost to Hexsteps on some really bad mana draws. I lost to Manalist Dredge and I lost to Enchantress. And I do not think that I'm going to see those in the tournaments to come. So I felt like the deck functioned very well. I would add another land. I'd cut the Council's Judgment. I'd change some numbers with the cards in the deck, but I'm not 100% sure about what goes where. Um, and I'm still kind of unsold on the sideboard there are some things that i kind of want there yeah i don't know about that two cataclysm first of all so cataclysm against miracles whew, that card's good um i played i played a league after and i ended up going four and one and cataclysm against miracles was an absolute house just as like a an armageddon basically yeah basically like you you just get to put them back to one land and you could back that up with Flusterstorm and like they really care about their mana and they're not playing around an effect like that. So you you hit it when they have seven lands or something and they just can't recover. But I played against Grixis Phoenix in one, Miracles in one, Rug Delver in one, uh, a green-white company deck. Uh, which seemed like it was just a port from Modern with like Gaia's Cradle and some dual lands, but I actually lost to Storm. I was eight and four with the deck. Obviously, it's a really small sample size, but I felt like I didn't play in the challenge the matchups that like I would expect to see, other than sort of Eldrazi and Death and Taxes and Miracles, and uh, against what I expect the metagame to be for Syracuse, the deck did really well. What did you think about the Sword of Fire and Ice, man? So I think that that probably should have been a JIT. Yeah. If I was going to, like I talked about, the Council's Judgment would go. I would add another land. I think the Fire and Ice should be a JIT. And I'm not 100% sold on Niv Magus Elemental if you want the extra one drops. Or if you just want that card to be Snapcaster Mage. So I'm, I'm unsure about that spot as well. Yeah, Snapcaster's interesting. Oh, there, there's one in the sideboard, huh? 
Yeah, and that, it was good for me. I brought it in quite a bit. Being able to board into five removal spells with a Snapcaster is good. But I feel like, I feel like against Delver, the Snapcaster Mage allows you to buy back those removal spells that might sort of get eaten up early game. And you can outpace your removal with Delver's threats. But I haven't played too much of the Delver matchup, so I'm not I'm not certain on whether or not that's something I want to do. Did you give any thoughts of Planeswalkers in the board, like getting bigger? Or do you feel like that's not what you're trying to do? Well, I feel like that takes a spot of Cataclysm. So instead of playing yeah. Cataclysm, you could play like a Gideon or some Jaces or something like that. But I kind of feel like this deck wants to be an Armageddon deck more than a Planeswalker deck. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I could definitely buy the the no planeswalkers. Uh, you you want to always be holding up. Like you have a lot of instant speed interaction, a lot of counter magic. So I, I just can't see tapping out for that Gideon, right? Yeah, it, you really, you really kind of want it to be your five play. But again, the deck was playing nineteen land before. Right. I definitely want to bump that number up. And if I was going to play a Planeswalker in the sideboard, it would definitely be Gideon. Probably for the Miracles and Curses Control matchup. But I'm still not sure whether or not I would want that or Cataclysm. So do you think that this is this is the front runner for you for Syracuse right now? It is right now. I have, a, I have this week that I'm going to be playing the four-color control deck. But it, this is the deck that I'm bringing to Etsy on Friday. Oh, you're going to go? I'm going to go to play F&M. Nice. Yeah, I had it cleared with my wife. We have a we have a patron coming from Arizona to play Magic. We have to we have to show up, right? Oh hell yeah, I'm gonna be there. I thought that you for some reason I thought that you said you could make it, but maybe that was Pat. No, I think that I said I'd have to check with my wife. Okay. Which I do for everything now. <laughs> but I can make it. Excellent. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. I realized just today, because like February is a short month. And the the date of the Syracuse SCG is in like March. It's the beginning of March. Yeah. I thought that we had an extra weekend in there, but we basically only have this weekend and then it's Syracuse. And then it's next weekend. Yeah, I know. So I, I've been thinking that there was like this extra week and now just suddenly today when I realized that at work, I was like, oh shit, I need to commit to a deck, right? I feel like I don't have enough time to be like waffling around and playing like whatever whimsical deck comes in my mind. Like I should, I should just be locked in on if I'm, if I'm playing any leagues this week, they should be with the deck that I at least think that I'm playing at Syracuse. Cause we don't have that much time. I already thought that you had locked in noble rug. Like you were taking one for the team and you were going to play it. Yeah, that was, that was my plan. Like, I don't know, whenever I booked Syracuse, six weeks ago maybe i was i was definitely gonna play noble rug and playing the bant family of decks over the past two weeks starting with that build that uh eric landon posted that 5-0 with Mm -hmm. and then experimenting i did a bunch of different experimentations uh i tried just going four color with that i tried playing green sun zenith with that instead of Birds of Paradise having like two green sun zeniths and a dried arbor and staying three color. And I also tried going into just like bug main main deck colors to have uh, abrupt decays in the main deck and just only splashing for 
uh, Stoneforge Mystic off of a couple white duels and the Noble Hierarchs. And the real thing, the thing that I like the most about this deck is something that you talked about a couple episodes ago, which is that with the Eldrazi, or with the, there's so many Chalice decks, right? Eldrazi, Blood Moon, whatever Chalice deck you're playing against, you can just climb the curve and just outclass them in a certain certain number of games. Mm-hmm. That's something that I couldn't do with Rug, and I'm I'm wondering now if Chalice is going to be that large of a part of the meta in Syracuse because I feel a lot better about my in the dark Chalice matchups playing the Bant deck than I do with the Rug deck. Oh, I definitely think it's going to be. I think that like everything that we've been seeing has been. 20 20 to 25 percent and i don't i just i i think that we're gonna we're gonna see quite a bit of it eldrazi is an easy deck to put together and it's very powerful right now so you're gonna see a lot of people that might not usually play legacy just try to show up with something like that yeah that's kind of where i'm at actually i'm surprised to be agreeing about this um the scg tour is doing the Players' Championship again this year after a little bit of a hiatus. like uh, I think it was a two-year hiatus. But they're incentivizing people to play in all the stops of the tour. Like if you're on the SCG leaderboard, there's huge EV playing in this tournament. I think the, the min prize might be one or two grand, but it's, it's basically like uh, one of the highest equity tournaments of the year, right? I think it's 16 players get in. So there's a, a lot of people who are high on the leaderboard who are not necessarily like the legacy specialists or you know the, the people that you'd expect to see like local area legacy players who you can expect to see there. So I think there's going to be a lot of people basically who don't play a lot of legacy and decks like Chalice decks, Death Shadow decks are decks that I feel like those people would pick up, right? Now, I didn't know that SCG brought back the Players' Championship. That makes a lot more sense with stories I've heard of people registering for all of the classics and then not showing up to play. Yep. I, I I guess I sort of understand that now. Yeah, but I think most of the people who would be competing to play in the Players' Championship, because they're sort of SCG adjacent, would be familiar with the format. I don't think there are going to be too many people that are like competitively grinding for the top 16 spots that don't know how to play Legacy. I think you see a lot of the SCG players are very experienced with Legacy because SCG is one of the one of the the TOs that supports the format the most. Yeah, at they, least in my they mind. do so many team tournaments now. You're probably right. They, like, uh, even if they're not in the Legacy seat, they're talking about Legacy with their teammates and watching Legacy matches. So, you're probably right about that. I don't I don't know who's on their leaderboard or anything like that, but. Certainly, historically, a lot of their grinders have either had a legacy deck that they were known to play or been familiar and played a lot of legacy classics or whatever, so you're probably right. That said, I do expect to see those two decks in Syracuse. 100%. So what, I think this is something that a lot of people want us to talk about. What, what do you think about the Syracuse metagame? Yeah, it's it's something that I've been thinking about today, really, trying to pin stuff down. So 
I went to the source. Uh, you can picture tumbleweeds, old ghost town, deserted. But no, I, I went to the source just now to look at what they consider their decks to beat right now. And their tier one has like 10 decks in it at the moment. And I think that that's, you know, we can argue back and forth about any of the individual decks, but I think it's kind of appropriate for what I, what I think that the meta looks like right now. There was basically, I don't know, the past three months or so, I felt like Depths was a tier one deck. And, it definitely is. And it certainly is right now, and I feel like it's getting the respect right now of, of a true tier one deck. So I would certainly expect to see that show up. I would and given like the cost of the deck and everything, I would say definitely expect to play that deck too. Not just that it'll be like, you know, put someone in the top eight, but I think that there'll be many players there playing some variant of depths. Uh Ant. I, I think that you definitely can't say that Ant isn't Tier 1. The question is, how many Ant players show up? My opinion is that there's going to be quite a few of them. You know, there's never as many Ant players in paper as there are online, in my opinion. But this is in the Northeast, uh, SCG. So I feel like a lot of the Ant players are going to be there. I I completely agree with you. Yeah, past that, you got the Grixis decks. It's a Star City, so you know there's going to be people playing Delver. Uh, Grixis Control, in paper, I feel like the, the percentage is actually higher than it is on Moto. Because I think people just really like playing the deck. And yeah, the, I, I would expect to see both of those decks in like quote-unquote Tier 1 representation numbers. But beyond that, the only deck that I I would say that I'm I'm certain that I'm going to see would be Eldrazi. Yeah, I mean the the percentage of decks played is much more low and spread out now than it has been. The format's really not consolidated. But I think if you're trying to look at tier one as the deck's best positioned to do well, I think you nailed it with depths. I think Eldrazi is very good. I think the Grixis decks, whether it is Delver, Control, or Phoenix, will be pre- will be very highly represented, and Ant as well. So uh, that's sort of what you should expect to see as you're coming into the field. Obviously, there's a ton of other decks that can do well. I, I just I don't know. I don't know what I would say that we're we're really nailing down to to tier one. Like, I mean, 10, 15 decks in tier one. Do we call anything playable tier one now? Yeah, I know. It's I, crazy, right? This this list is like 12 decks long. Yeah. So I, I don't know. If I was trying to nail down tier one, it would be Depths, Grixis Delver, Eldrazi, and Grixis Control, I think those are probably uh, an ant. Those are probably the five that I would put up at the top. Yeah, and then I think that we can also certainly expect to see at this tournament Death and Taxes, Sneak and Show, and Elves. 
because those are decks that people have. They're decks that are certainly defensible right now. And they're decks that people like to play. You know, people consider themselves elves players, elves experts, death and taxes experts, you know. Yeah, but like what's what's the people are gonna show up with them for sure, but what's the percentage of the field be like gonna be? It's gonna be like what, like two percent elves? Yeah, that that sounds two, about right to me. Two percent lands? Like you just No, not lands. No, I'm saying like like if we're talking about the percentage of decks that people show up with, we like we we can say all right, people will definitely show up with lands, but it'll be like one and a half percent. They'll definitely show up with Maverick, but it'll be like three yep. percent. It's just if we're talking about tier one, there's a lot of decks that are going to be there, but you just you can kind of ignore them. No, I'm kind of on a tier one point five here. So like okay. like Sneak and Show and Death and Taxes. I feel like those are going to be higher than two, right? Those those are probably closer to 5%, in my opinion. And it's kind of curious to me that... So Elves and Blue-Red, uh, according to the source, they were like recently reclassified, so they might not be considered decks to beat technically right now. But I was kind of surprised not to see Black-Red on here. Well, so... There haven't been a lot of people other than Landon putting up results with it because he's a sicko and nobody else is. And even Landon has moved off of it recently. So I don't have any of the data to show why he moved off of it, but maybe, maybe it's just time for that deck to just realize it's hated out already and then come back when people aren't as ready for it. I think Grixis Phoenix making such a big push or like, when it came into the format, that a lot more people were playing Graveyard Hate to be ready for that, and it could have sort of pushed out Black Red. Yeah, it's possible. It's also possible that maybe a lot of the Black Red players are just playing Phoenix now, right? Because that's what that's what Landon's doing, I think, right? Well, I mean, he moved over to Bant. Oh, okay. I, I thought that that was just like a one-off. So this, I think that also what deserves mention at least at that level of sneak and show and death and taxes, if not more so, is the deck that you're talking about, like the the blue white stone blade deck. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like there are many ways you can build it depending on what your curve is, whether you're playing Delver or whether you're not. But the fact that you have a very solid mana base that you don't have to, you don't really have to worry about Moon Stompy or uh, non basic land hate. You can you can play every spell in your deck off of your off of the basics that you can fetch. Uh, it's resilient and powerful against creature decks. You have four true name nemesis, which is it's just a house in so many matchups. And the innovation of having four Flusterstorm main deck really takes a lot of the the decks that you had challenges with before and makes it a lot easier. So you're better against the Snapcaster decks. Whether that's like the Snap K Command or the Snap Plow decks, you have extra oomph when you're fighting counter wars. And also with Niv Magus Elemental, it it really can turn Flusterstorm into a plus six plus six permanent pump. And in matchups where your spell pierces or flusters might not have been good before, being able to at least convert it into something useful in a game one is helpful. So, like, I really like Flusterstorm. I've always liked Flusterstorm. 
And I found that it was very good in this deck, even though the matchups that I played against in the challenge, like, they weren't Flusterstorm matchups. I sided it out in, I don't know, five out of my seven matchups. And I still ended up doing, it still ended up being okay, because the deck was powerful. Yeah, and that's kind of the other thing about this. Just playing online, so I played, since since we last recorded, I only played, uh, I guess I played three leagues now. And the the vast majority it's either 10 or 11 of the decks i play against have been non-blue and that's kind of like if you look at the the challenge data this week or if you just are looking at any slice of mtg top eight if you're looking at like the last few challenges or the paper meta it it seems like there's a lot of blue decks but there's also a lot of non-blue decks and Particularly online, I think it's probably a higher percentage than we'd see in paper. But preparing for this tournament, in my mind, I have non-blue higher than than I did before, like in the old meta. For for sure. And obviously it's like small sample size and recency bias, but my experiences have been the same. I've seen a lot of non-blue. But you go to play Legacy in paper, and you're going to play against blue. That's what I'm thinking, right? Like I can't really lean into that the the moto trend, right? Right. Well, I mean like so you're talking about what you've experienced. You said 10 of your last 12 are non-blue. And I mean my my experiences were very similar. I played it, I got a bunch of non-blue matchups. But you look at what people play in legacy paper and one it doesn't change as much as it does online. There are obviously people who have the ability to play whatever they want to. I'm lucky enough to be one of those people, but people tend to gravitate to certain decks. And a lot of people that play Legacy regularly, they really gravitate to Brainstorm. Maybe there's more of a flux into, all right, I'm not going to play Brainstorm, I'm going to play this. But everything just sort of works its way back to Brainstorm and Legacy. And I wouldn't I wouldn't take what we're seeing online to to be gospel for Syracuse. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't expect to see these, like the the chalice, either the Eldrazi, the White Eldrazi, or like the Death and Taxes Stompy deck that I've run into in both of the last two leagues I played, and I believe it it came in top sixteen in the challenge. It was the person you played against, I think. Yep. Yeah, he finished twelfth. Yeah, that deck is showing up quite a bit online. And like I wouldn't expect to see that deck in Syracuse. Like maybe somebody will bring it, but yeah, I think I think somebody will probably bring it. But I I think that the Death and Taxes you're going to see is going to be more traditional, and I think the Eldrazi Chalice decks are going to be what you think they're going to be. I I think there's going to be a lot of brainstorm. Yeah, as there I, should be. I really hope that there is. You know, and I I think I'm going to prepare that. I'm going to face at least 50% brainstorm like I always have prepared. But yeah, it's certainly wide open. Like even though it does feel like it's settled down a little from a month ago, you could still face anything, you know? And looking at the top eight of the challenge, like, and what you played against yesterday, obviously you did face anything. Yeah. And I mean, that was a hundred person tournament. That's not, that's not small. And anything did pretty well if you look at that top eight. 
Yeah, what do we have? Uh, Enchantress. We want to get into it right now? Oh, yeah. Let's get into the actual results. Yeah, yeah. So the top eight was won by Moon Stompy. Then we had Ant, Medium Deaths, Tess, which I believe was Bryant. Omni Sneak, another Ant deck, Four Color Loam, and Enchantress in the top eight. So just top level, that's two Chalice decks and six combo decks. Uh, four of which are like spell based, and then you have enchantress, however you want to define that, and depths, however you want to define that. They're not exactly spell based. They're 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 certainly combo though. Enchantress is like critical mass combo. I don't know what to call depths as far as that archetype goes, but. Yeah, I feel like Depths kind of plays like Sneak and Show with a little bit more disruption. Yeah, exactly. It's it's disruptive combo, and it, it does play a lot like Storm, too, in terms of the, the turn that it's going off and the amount of disruption that it has. So they're not really that dissimilar. but So basically you got two Chalice decks, six combo decks, and no quote-unquote fair deck. I mean, the closest thing to a fair deck here that's not a Chalice deck is the Enchantress deck, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you could really classify any of those decks as fair. Like, Four Color Loam is kind of like a fair deck, but it's a Chalice deck, you know? So, right there, you know, there's there's no, like, traditional Brainstorm deck, like your Stoneblade or your, your Grixis Delver or Grixis Control or anything like that. And you go to like the top 16, there's Manalist Dredge, Eldrazi Post, Maverick, uh, D&T Stompy, which we talked about, Eldrazi Post, Lands, Burn, and then Rug Control. So you go all the way to the 16th deck before you find like a traditional blue deck, right? So yeah, they're, it's wild. Other than, other than Storm there isn't a brainstorm until 16th. Sorry, Storm and Sneak and Show. Right. There isn't a brainstorm until 16th. Yeah, it's crazy. And we've got, you know, way more chalices than that. We've got five dedicated chalice decks in there. Yeah, I wouldn't show up to Syracuse with anything that wasn't good against chalice. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm bailing on the rug deck. I think we already discussed this, but my sideboard games against Chalice felt pretty decent, but my game ones didn't. You know, they, they were really bad, so. Yeah. I don't think that I was, even with a, a decent post-sideboard game, I don't think that I was favored to beat them, and I wouldn't like my chances if I had to play, like, three or four rounds against Eldrazi with that deck. I can agree with that. So, yeah, this is a pretty wild challenge, and you were playing, and I didn't get a chance to play, obviously, but did you see, like, a lot of the, a lot of names that you recognize, like, people that potentially we'd see in Syracuse? Oh, yeah, I mean, like, it was, it was stacked. There were 98 players, and a quarter of them I recognized right away. Like, I mean, it, it, it was a solid field for sure and uh, i guess i just can't wait to play in syracuse 
Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it, honestly. I, I'm I'm a little nervous right now because I I don't know. I haven't like committed to this deck, and it seems kind of crazy to commit to this band deck after basically hearing about it like ten days ago or whatever it was. I guess two weeks ago was when you showed me that deck. Well, I mean, you played it for two years before. Well, yeah, so that's so the you... thing, right? Like, I have tight sideboard plans with the rug deck because I was working on it for months, and I worked on it with Tom too, and we ironed out a lot of those sideboard spots and I actually feel really good about a lot of my sideboard plans with that deck. It's really tight, but I have all that, all that, like uh, the knowledge of the years playing it to draw on with the, the band color combination. So I feel like I, I wouldn't actually be that far behind. I would have to like work out the map again, but I wouldn't be that far behind in terms of having to figure stuff out because I know what, what that deck wants and, and what it doesn't want post board. That's the best part about Legacy is for somebody who doesn't have a ton of time to play, like like me, the matches that you played with decks years ago are still relevant. Like, I started off playing Legacy shit like a long ass time ago, and my first deck was Burn, and the matches I play against Burn now are still relevant, my experience from them, from then. When I played Dredge way back in the day, it's the same thing. And playing... Playing a deck as long as you played Bant, you're never going to be behind when you switch to it. Like, the deck the deck list got published last week or two weeks ago, and you're like, oh, instantly you remember all of your old lines, and you're playing against all the same decks except for maybe Grixis Phoenix. So you're going to be fine if you play Bant and Syracuse. Yeah, I'm going to have to iron it out, though. Hopefully tomorrow or the next day, like, really... Because I, we talked a little bit actually about uh, Eric's sideboard, the the choices that he made when we talked about the deck last week. I still have not been able to cast Carpet of Flowers. I've now put it in the last three leagues, the decks that I played in the last three leagues, but I, I haven't played against a Delver deck, so it hasn't come in. So I need to like. Figure well, you bring out, it in against Miracles too, right? I haven't played against Miracles either. Okay. Yeah, it's been crazy. I've just been playing against non-blue stew last night the league i played last night it was it was good it was a 4-1 i lost to uh the death and taxes stompy deck but i the other decks i played against were death and taxes elves depths and uh shit what was the last round anyway it was it was a non-blue deck oh it was blood moon so okay yeah it's just you know so many non-blue decks really so about about the uh, the deckless dump, I have another huge poop. One of my Magic Online heroes <laughs> had a list published, and when I logged into Magic Online to play the challenge, I was like, "Oh man, Uncle Man, I, he's on the first page of the trophy leaders." Nice. And then I saw the list that he five owed with, and I'm like, no. <laughs> the the person who got that original Bant list published that had everybody hop on board is now playing Blood Moon Stompy. So you, sir, can do better. I just want to let you know. Dude, it's rough, right? And I feel like that's that's got to be a statement. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. That's got to be a statement that you feel like the deck is strong, right? Right, like obviously the deck is the deck is strong. If other than like the blue white deck that I played, a lot of the decks just can't beat a blood moon. We're talking about Eldrazi Stompy, 
uh, it's a ton. The yeah. Grixis decks. Yeah. The Grixis, like, they can't beat a Resolve Blood Moon. I mean, Sneak and Show is waning, right? That was a bad matchup. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems it seems good to me. Black, red, too. So, yeah, I mean, like, I can't see Hexdeps beating, beating Blood Moon. No, that seems, yeah. Blood Moon and Ensnaring Bridge? That's crazy. That does seem pretty nuts. Dude, I wonder what Enchantress versus Blood Moon looks like. I suspect Enchantress is probably fine. Because they don't care about it. Yeah, they have all those like Utopia Sprawls and stuff, too. Well, they have a ton of Basic Forests, too. Yeah. Like, obviously, Chalice on one is a gigantic pain. So I think it boils down to Chalice more than Blood Moon. But they do. Anyway. They have like banishing lights too, like stuff like that to get rid of problem permanence. So I think they're probably fine. Okay, it doesn't yeah, really not... matter. No, you know. Yeah, but... that's that's not a matchup that we're gonna theory craft on too hard. So, Uncle Man over to the dark side, playing the number one enemy here. Yep. And I think the the build that that we would probably play if we played the deck, right? Like the the maximum. Ravel build. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not sure if that is the build. I'd have to message Zach and be like, Zach, what do I play? And then whatever he would tell me is exactly what I would play, card for card, and I wouldn't even question it. Yeah, I so, think that that's that's what he's on too. Okay, so yes, exactly. Sweet. So there were a couple lists here that I thought were were pretty crazy. So a league I played after we recorded last and I texted you about I lost because I didn't know how to play against uh, Leon and Arbiter online yep and I talked to our buddy Rich Shea uh, the the next day and he explained to me you actually have to click on the Arbiter so basically before there was like a do you want to pay or you haven't paid two kind of like a warning that it would give you when you went to do something but if you if there were two arbiters in play, it would not give you the warning once you paid two, but you hadn't paid two for the other one. So basically it was like a imperfect warning system. Yep. So they replaced it with nothing. So you actually have to click on the arbiter, pay two, and then crack your fetch. So I just went to crack a fetch, you know, thinking it would ask me to pay two. Yep. And it doesn't work. No, it does not work like that. So I just strip mined myself. And yep. I also didn't know the card Weathered Wayfarer. This was just me. Not yeah, that's EDH. I, I play that in my EDH deck. <sighs> so, yeah, I basically let, I think it was Matt Soul, I let them uh, wasteland me on turn two because I, I could have plowed the creature, but I was like, oh, <sighs> I'm going to get a basic planes out of their deck or whatever. Yeah, it's a good point to make. Like, I, I, I just never saw any card that worked that way where you had to click, click on it and it had like a a prompt come up, you know? Yep. So I wasn't one expecting of, it. One of the many reasons why this shit will never make it to magic arena for yes, all of the people yes. that are like, I can't wait for legacy to be on arena, man. Vintage cube is going to be great. on arena. <laughs> Listen, you fucking imagine never going to happen. Dude, they, they go to the deadline programming new sets all the time. Could you imagine having to, 
work on the new set, but retroactively do over a hundred sets, that would be fucking insane in terms of developer hours. And then just the uh, the number of interactions. You think about Vintage Cube, I think that highlights it perfectly. The number of fucked up situations over the years, cards that have corner cases specifically to work with each other that we know because we play Legacy. Or sometimes people people are still finding new interactions, right? Yeah, and I mean, really, like, if you're playing a deck, you almost have to memorize the problematic interactions and being be able to, like, tell people, okay, so this is how humility works with Batterskull. This is how uh, whatever works with whatever. But, like, you need to be on top of how your cards work where other people aren't going to understand it. Exactly, like Urborgs and Pops and Blood Moons and all that stuff. Like, yep. Humility. Dryad Arbor and Blood Moon. Yep. Non-basic mountain. It's crazy. Dryad. Creature. Yep. Yep. Yeah, dude, it's, it's wild. And like like you said, there's, in my opinion, no chance. All right. So what else did we have in the in the deck dump? Dude, I started talking about Arbiter, and I don't even remember why. Oh, because it was Matt's soul. So they were testing, obviously, like a white chalice deck. It's kind of like the one that we talked about before, but there was something else in this deck dump that I'd never seen before, which is the... I'm going to say in quotes mono green, but it's really like junk color, but it's mono green chalice kind of. Do you see this list? Uh, was it Sylvan plug? Is that what it's called? It has three chokes and four Sylvan libraries in the main. Uh, what were the creatures? One Courser, one Dustwatch Recruiter, one Marin, one, three Obstinate Bailoffs, one Ramanop Excavator, one Titania, and one Knight of Autumn. Ooh, okay. So I'm not 100% sure whether or not that's traditional Sylvan Plug. Uh, or, sorry, not traditional, but the new build of... Yeah, but, like, like whatever the new... Plug. Yeah, yeah, whatever the I most updated list of I forgot that was even a deck, is. yeah. Yeah, but Sylvan, Sylvan Plug is the green stompy deck. Right. And it is... It seems like that is probably the most updated version of it. It would make sense to me, yeah. I believe that. Yep. Like, because that deck definitely played main deck choke. So, So yeah, four Trinospheres, four Chalice of the Voids. And it's being enabled by just three Mox Diamonds, actually, and three Ancient Tombs. So that's how you're you're getting your turn one Chalice, if, if the draw lines up that way. Or your turn one Sylvan Library. Which, which is a house. Yeah, definitely. Three chokes seems kind of weird with what we were just talking about with like the, the lack of blue decks online, the, the relative dearth. But with a deck like this, you're going over them by so much. Against the, the decks that choke doesn't do anything. You're both playing a bunch of redundant prison pieces anyway. Yeah, for sure. The, yeah, this deck was interesting. I, I forgot I had heard stories like whispers in the in the corners of dark taverns about a deck called sylvan plug but i've never actually seen it in person yeah i've never seen it win but i have 
I have been able to identify that that is a deck that people play. And like when you ask somebody, oh, what, what are you playing? And they're like, oh, Sylvan Plugman. You're like, all right, this guy is going to go 03 and he's going to come back playing side events smelling like a ton of weed. Like that's that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, with, anyway. with the Misfits tea. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe in the corner with a Misfits tea. <laughs> Dude, I went to uh to Rapscallions on Friday. Did did the uh the never mind? Did the dude who hit his head return? No, no, that was uh, grand finales. But I, I was I went to Rapscallions to play some old school on Friday, and I never actually played any old school this week. I got there. And there was this dude sitting at the bar, like we ordered a drink and he was watching uh, Luge like uh, on the Olympic channel, which is apparently a channel I didn't even know about. You sure it wasn't like cool run-ins reruns? It kind of looked like Feel it the rhythm. Yeah. Feel the rhyme. <laughs> classic, classic underrated John Candy movie. John Candy was in that movie? John Candy was the fucking coach. Really? I never saw it. I don't know. Man, is he the one who says feel the rhythm, feel the run? No, that's the team. Okay. Yeah. I could see him saying that too, though. I don't know. I've never seen it, but it, it looks like it would be a good movie. Anyway, th- this uh, there's this Bosnian guy sitting at the bar. He, I forget how he like got into our conversation, but he started talking to us, you know, on our way back to to take out our decks and stuff. And it turns out he was like a Russian lit teacher, a uh, college professor. And we started talking about like Dostoevsky, Solzhenitsyn and stuff. And three hours later, uh, everyone who I went to play old school with is just walking out leaving. And I didn't even realize it. I'd just been drinking with this old Bosnian professor guy. So I didn't get to play any old school this week. And uh, that kind of sucked. You had a chance encounter with a Russian lit professor that you got to, to talk about all of your Never mind, dude, Russian literature. I don't know if you ever read any Dostoevsky or Tolstoy or anything like that, but those motherfuckers are in a league of their own. Yes. Behind the curtain. (laughs) They are all by themselves behind the curtain. Dude. Pain makes, makes uh, the artist, right? You're absolutely right. All right, so hold on. This obviously doesn't doesn't uh, directly relate to what you're talking about, but I had my Valentine's Day take my wife out uh, night on Saturday when my parents came over to babysit, and because it was her night, we went and saw A Star Is Born, the Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga movie. Yep. And I went into it like I'm taking one for the team. My wife really wants to see this. And by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, shit, this is fucking dark. Really? That movie was so fucking good. Did she die? Bradley Cooper killed it. Really? And that movie was amazing. Is she dead? Or is that... uh, I know Amy Winehouse is dead, but is Lady Gaga still alive? You mean like in real life? Yeah. Yes. Lady Gaga is definitely alive. Yes. So it doesn't have a sad ending. I guess spoiler alert for everybody. Well, this is a movie. And what happens in the movie doesn't... Doesn't... Like, she did not die in the movie. She's not dead in real life. 
I'm not going to say if anybody dies in the movie. Okay. But Jesus, Jesus, this movie was fucking good. Really? And the soundtrack's killing it. I have been, I've been driving around in my car, <laughs> listening, listening to Bradley Cooper's fake band fucking crush it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. So what about Eighth Grade? You ever see this movie? Uh, I have not seen this movie. I feel like Alyssa might have seen this movie. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's in like the awards, I think. Like uh, one of the movies that could win awards this year. I've heard a couple people talk about it so far and say that it was an amazing movie. Okay. So, I like Bo Burnham. Is that like an actor or a director? Uh, he's a comedian. It looks like he's the person who directed it. Okay. Or he wrote it and directed it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I've heard that that's a really good movie too. All right. I have not seen that. I thought it was just like a biopic on Lady Gaga. No, it was. So it it's, I guess they borrowed from things that happened to Lady Gaga. But man, like if, if you are a fan of rock music and you, and you enjoy like the sort of extremely talented, but tortured artists that can't keep their shit together. Like I do. This was like, this was like the perfect mirror of that because there's like two stories going on with the pop side and then this other side. And I didn't expect the other side to be so dark. That's interesting, man. I, I kind of want to see this movie now. Yeah. See it. There are going to be some parts that you hate, but I think that's because they want you to hate those parts. Like with the pop manager, like telling and changing the image of, of Lady Gaga's character. But like the movie was fucking good. Like a bad guy? Yeah, kind of like a bad guy. Like, you just hate this person. And it's got fucking Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott being Sam Elliott, that's that's the best. Who's that? Is that an actor? You don't know who Sam Elliott is? I've never ha- heard that name. All right. Yeah, have you seen The Big Lebowski? Yeah. Dude in the cowboy hat at the bar. No. Oh, 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 yeah. That old guy? The old guy, yes. The oh, old guy nice. is in it. Yeah. So is that his character? Like he's always had that mustache, that Tom Karen's mustache. Yes, that that is who he is. By the way, shout out Tom Karen's. We forgot to mention last week, top sixteen in the challenge, holding it down for the dead format cast. And he had a kid. And he also yes, a, a brand new baby girl. So congratulations, Very congratulations. Cool. Who has a fucking amazing mustache, <laughs> as we've seen from the Discord. Jeez, it's like a, like you go like an extra little bit out, roll it up, straight up Raleigh fingers. Dude, so I was working, I couldn't actually text back about this, but he says something about at his his work policy. He can only have a mustache, and that was actually my old work policy too. I I couldn't have a beard; I could only have a mustache. It was like from the '80s, some like remnant policy. All right. Yeah, so that's pretty wild. I didn't know that that was a thing at more than one place in the world. Well, for all of the people who are listening who don't know who Raleigh Fingers is because you didn't collect baseball cards in the 80s, you need to you need to Google that and take a look at that mustache. What about for the people who are listening who don't know who uh, Tom Cairns is? What should they do? They should look up his deck lists. You can usually find them if you Google Moto deck lists and then scroll through the legacy, I was legacy to, events. I was trying to segue you into a Patreon pitch. Oh, that was great. <laughs> you can 
You can check us out at patreon.com slash the dead format. And we have a very active discord where we learn a lot of things about our listeners, like how some of our listeners, when they're flying to Boston for other things, bring lock picks with them. Yeah. What and the yeah, like, we're, like, why one? Why the fuck do you have lock picks <laughs> when you're going through airport security? And two, why are you telling us this? I don't want to be on a list. Keep that shit to yourself. Dude, what do lockpicks look like? I just picture like two bobby pins, right? I I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's... <laughs> or like it's, you, you have like your magazine as a child, like your comic book or whatever, and you tear out like the last page, like send it over to Singapore, and they send you back like a $5 lockpick kit, right? But like why do you feel the need to travel... <laughs> With lockpicks, you're like, I might get recruited to, like, break into a secret base and I might need these when yeah. I go. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing good that ever came of lockpicks, right? I mean, maybe, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, pigeonhole anybody, but, like, maybe they're practicing for, like, a LARPing event where, like, <laughs> they're going to be the one to break into the castle. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I could, could be anything. I could buy that. I'm more inclined to think that there's a safe somewhere around here that's in jeopardy. But, yeah, I don't know, man. And, uh, yeah, we can talk about TSA policy in the Discord all day long. Patreon.com slash the dead format. So, Yo, if you guys sign up for the Patreon, you can, like, chip in to buy me cough medicine, too. (laughs) Maybe next week, maybe next week I'll sound better. Dude, you are struggling. I, I feel like we got a question from the uh, the Patreon, but I don't know if you can handle it right now. Well, what was the question? It was related to like a sideboard guide for blue-white. Oh, for blue-white. Okay, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to post my updated list in the Patreon. And there were actually a few people that I guess watched the replays to the challenge and sent me sent me some private messages so uh i'll i'll make sure that i send that to them but i'm i'm gonna finalize my sideboard guide and my deck list because i know bob sent me some changes that he made and i'm sort of leaning the same direction as him i'm just a little bit a little bit torn whether or not i want to drop below uh I'm torn whether or not I want to make the same changes or if I want to change some other things. So I'm going to post my updated list and sideboard map before the end of the week. I don't, I just, I don't want to talk about it on the cast. Cause that's like yeah. another half an hour about a blue white deck that a lot of people won't play. And literally like you can just sign up for the Patreon and then just drop next month. Yeah. I mean, we're both still in a leading legacy one, right? No, I left. I rage left. <laughs> oh yeah, I got right. I got pissed off at the time vault thing, <laughs> and I I really fucking left. But Jerry's riding with me to Syracuse, so uh, gonna stick him in the time vault in my trunk. Who else is in that car? Is DJ? Uh, so I haven't sent DJ a message back, but it looks like it's gonna be DJ and Justin Lutz, who is the leading oh. legacy sound. Dude, if sound. you do not strike a deal. We don't have any fucking money, Ian. I'm I'm just saying, don't don't let him talk you into anything. Not gonna, won't happen. All right. I hope I I just uh I wish I could be there now to 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 put him in his place, but 
Yeah, your bougie ass is flying instead of driving. Yeah, the forty dollar flight, dude. That it wasn't a forty dollar flight. It was actually less. It was thirty eight dollars. Jesus, isn't that fucking insane? I've never domestic like U.S. to U.S. I've never even had a flight that was less than. You're that. not. You're not flying like Porter Airlines, are you? No, it's fucking JetBlue. Oh shit. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Why the fuck am I driving? I can't believe that it's that cheap. Well, the thing is though, if that flight doesn't leave like on time, there's no way I can play in the tournament because it's like a 10:30 p.m. on Friday night. Yeah. So there's no next flight to get on, you know. I got you. So it's basically like <laughs> February, I guess March 1st or whatever, but cold winter city, the cold winter city. Last flight of the day. Just cross your fucking fingers. <laughs> Ride yeah. or die, baby. All right. Well, there was one more list in the, the deck dump that I wanted to talk about before we get out yeah, of here. Yeah, let's do it. The Autumn Lily list. Did you see that? Uh, I think I did. Refresh my memory. Uh, Black Blue Spell Stutter Sprite Yukira. Oh, right. Now, I've never seen a Delver deck without Days. And this one, this one makes me think about actually pulling it off. It's obviously the most interesting Yukiro build that I've seen because this is the first one with spell starter sprite and like spell stuttering something and then attacking with it and then bouncing it back to your hand and, and getting to, to flip the top card and deal your opponent some damage. That's, that seems gas. Yeah, I love the fusion of those two cards. And we talked about Spellstar Sprite with regard to like Ninja the Deep Hours. But this is like a fusion of those two like independent lists that we'd seen popping up, like the the mono blue list and then the blue black list. And this list is the closest in my opinion to a finished product. Right, and it has like the Bitter Blossom interaction with Spellstar Sprite. It's even playing Mutavault. Like I love this deck. And Autumn Lily is brilliant. She's one of the best people who I've seen stream and talk through their lines. Oh, I didn't know that they were a streamer. Who is it? Uh, it's Aud- Autumn. I Autumn think their Burkett actual name is Burchette. Autumn Burkett. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't Burchette. Realize. Yep. Yeah, she's from England. Played on the Pro Tour. Sorry. Played on the Mythic Championship. <laughs> Tabletop edition. Yeah, uh, whatever, whatever they're calling it now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but I, I really like this list. I do too. This list looks great. And w- one thing we did talk about in our days cast the other day that kind of bothered me when I went back and listened to it is my theory on like days and thoughtsies and playing fair blue decks right now and how you have to commit to one or the other. But this list, I can totally understand how it gets away with not playing days, and it's not something that I had thought about before and i'll be honest if i were playing this deck the first thing i would do is sneak in like one or two days but but this is the thing like your opponents right they like have to assume yeah. that you have days <laughs> exactly. like there's no way a blue black delver list isn't playing days but this one somehow plays it and gets away with it it's pretty wild yeah and i'm a big fan so this looks great Wow, All right, four so Yukiro, you... though, huh? That card must be so good, because it's the second week in a row that we've seen lists with four of this legendary creature. But I don't know if it's, like, if it's something that's so good, or people are like, all right, I want to try this card out, so I'm going to play four of them. 
right? I, I mean, like that's could, not what we saw with Leovold, just be that. Remember with Leovold? I don't recall ever seeing four Leovold. Well, it was, it was uh, this one's legendary, too. Yeah. Damn it. I don't know. That's what I'm You're saying. Right. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. People have You're rushed right. right to four of them. And it's not like it, it dies in, like, an elegant way or something, where... Uh, you get, like, a death trigger. It's, yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. strange, so... I, I'd be interested to to hear what people think about that. I got you. This is pretty wild, too, like a fairy deck, but if you look in the sideboard, it transforms. Like, it's got this two deluge, two last hope plan. Yep. Really nice. I like it. There's this next list. It's uh, Maddie. It's a 5-0. It's a blue-white deck. Actually, it's blue-white splashing red. They're playing Jace the Mind Sculptor, Snapcaster Mage, Monastery Mentor, Council's Judgment. Accumulated Knowledge. Yeah, Entreat, Terminus, Council's Judgment, Flusterstorm, Brainstorm, Force of Will, Source of Plowshares. And two Counterbalance. Have you ever seen anything like this? <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you <laughs> and tell you which deck you are talking about where can they do that dude i just i'm not used to seeing miracles i guess uh at ian18125 and if people want to send you some robitussin so you can uh make sure you get that dxm uh how should no they no, do no. That? no more no more of that how should they do that you can contact me on twitter at tsmileymtg and dead format cast Follow both, because it makes me feel better. I feel like we're ready for an email at this point. We were scarred, but deadformatcast at gmail.com. Shit's back open. Yeah, it's back open. Don't flood. Say If you want to email us with a really good question, do it. If you're like, ah, you know what? I don't know if this email is good. Work on it. You don't have to send it right away. You can, You can make it better. We believe in you. Yeah, or if it's just like a, a joke or a meme or something, then just fucking fire that shit off. But no, none of these, if you're breaking the thoughts into paragraphs, you've gone too far. <laughs>